He's changing you. I wonder how many people came to church this morning in this place anticipating that God wanted to use this time to change you. That when you left here, you weren't the same as when you came in. That he wanted to teach you maybe something new about who he is and how he involves himself in your life. Maybe he wanted to equip you so that he might could use you. Maybe he's got a plan for you this afternoon. Something that he's going to orchestrate in your life. He already knows exactly what it is, but he, he wants to equip you to use you in that way. Discipleship, being a follower of Jesus, is about being changed. We must never be satisfied with where we're at spiritually. We ought to have a hunger. We ought to have an unquenchable thirst to be changed by Him, to know Him better, to grow in our understanding of who He is. That's what discipleship is. This song that our team just sang, man, it's a... It's about God's calling on us as a church. Let the church rise. It's about how God wants to use us to, to bring His name to this community, to make Him famous into this community. The song said to be light. That happens as God changes us. He's ready to use you right now wherever you are. Wherever you are in your relationship with Him, however long you've walked with Him, whatever you would consider to be your level of spiritual maturity, He wants to use you. But He has these purposes that, that are beyond our understanding. He wants to change us, to use us, to change us. He wants to do a work in our life to use us so that we'll be different. He wants to grow us, to use us, to grow us. He's intricately involved in doing that kind of work in our lives. And so, because we are growing in our burden to make Jesus famous in this community, because we're growing in our passion for other people, because we're growing in our love for other people, we want to know how we can make ourselves available, how we can open ourselves up so that God can change us, so that God can use us, so that God can grow us. And so we study love because that's where it begins. We experience God's love for us so that we can love others, understanding we can't love others until we've experienced God's love for us. Not really. And so we study the aspects of love and God's definition of love and how love looks from God's perspective and how He loves us. And then we ask, our, ask ourselves, how can we grow? And so we do this whatever series. 
And we're, we're, we're asking everyone, each of you as individuals, to kind of evaluate yourself as when God involves Himself in your life and he, he, he asks something of you, again, whether it's general or whether it's specific, He tells you what He wants you to do. Is our attitude a whatever attitude? Whatever, dude. Got it covered. No problem. Don't worry about it. Whatever, dude. I'm scared. I'm scared that all too often that's our response to Jesus. Oh, I know you would never say that, but is, is that what we see in the way we respond, in the way we live out our lives? So we look at this idea of discipleship or what, what it means to follow Jesus, to be a follower of His, to be a student of His, to be an apprentice of His. And we have determined already that we understand God's definition, Jesus' definition of discipling by looking at how He describes it in the Scripture. We can find different definitions of what it means to be a disciple, but we want to know what Jesus says it means to be a disciple. And so we look at the things that Jesus says like... If you want to be my disciple, then you need to be where I am. You need to be with me. And we see as we study that, that that's a choice that we make. It's a choice to a commitment to a relationship. That's what it is. And so, may I be so bold? As to ask you this morning, is that a choice you've made? Have you made a choice to be a follower of Jesus? I'm not talking about being a Christian. I know that at nine years old you prayed the prayer. What I want to know is, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you an apprentice of Jesus? Are you where he's at? Are you allowing Him to speak into your life? Are you allowing Him to change you? It's more than allowing Him. It's a desire. I want Him to change me. I want to experience Him, His love, His involvement in my life. I want to be where He's at. And then we see Jesus said this. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, then you will love me above everything and everybody and he spoke very, very strong words to communicate this idea that he desires to be our one and only. The only name I will proclaim, Jesus. Jesus. That's, that's his desire for us. Is it our desire for him? When I say that Jesus is going to be my one and only, does that mean that Jesus is going to be the, the, the thing in my life to the exclusion of everything else? No. As a matter of fact, most everything else in my life, He gave me. He gave me my family. He gave me my job. He gave me my relationships. He gave me my finances, my money. He gave me that. So, so am I saying... Jesus to the exclusion of everything else? No. I think what Jesus is talking about there is, listen, 
disciple, listen, student, listen, apprentice, I don't want to be a category in your life. I, I, I don't want there to be family, job, finances, friends, hobbies, Jesus. That's my life. They're all important. I think what Jesus is saying is, let me be involved in all of that with you. You and me, I'm your one and only. I'm involving myself in your family. I'm giving you direction there. I'm, I'm giving you a blueprint there. I'm leading you in that and, and in your job and in your finances and in your friends and in your hobbies. Not a category, but I'm a part of all of that with you. You want to be my disciple? Let me be your one and only. Love me above all else and, and everybody. Love me that way. And then we continue our study this morning by looking at a passage of Scripture in the 13th chapter of John where Jesus says this. Well, let me read it to you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Here's what a disciple looks like if you have love for one another. So what Jesus is saying is, you want to be my disciple? you got to love other believers. you got to love other disciples. you got to love my family. you gotta, you got to love the church. Would you agree with me? That's, that's getting a little harder. I mean, I think it's easy to love God. He's perfect. He wants what's best for me. I love Him. He's perfect. You're not perfect. Neither am I. And there are people that could stand and testify this morning that I have frustrated them. That I have acted obnoxiously in their lives. That I can be extremely irritating. But you still got to love me. And I got to love you, and I do love you. I know that, that other believers, that other disciples, that the church of Jesus Christ can, can disappoint, can infuriate, can frustrate. God knows that too. He knew that when He said to us, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my student, if you want to be my apprentice, you've got to love my family. You've got to love my church. It's a choice. He says, if. As a matter of fact, in all of these definitions of discipleship that we get from Jesus, he always starts it with if. Have you made that choice? Are you truly a follower of Jesus? I can tell you exactly what it looks like. It's a person that's where he's at. It's a person that loves him above all else. It's a person that loves the church, that loves his family. And he says that if you'll love each other, then other people will know that you're my disciple. That other people will know that, that you're following me. So it's not so much a bumper sticker that people know, or a fish on the back of your car. I guess that might be a hint, but it's not a Christian t-shirt. They'll know you're a follower of Jesus when they see you loving other believers. 
loving the church. I think that's really important. You have to love the church. The church is described in the Bible as the bride of Christ. And so I hear people say, you know what? I I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, that's not possible according to 1 John chapter 4. Anyone who says he loves me and doesn't love the church is a liar. That's what it says. So, So saying that is like saying to your buddy, I love you, but I hate your wife. That's the same thing. I love God, but I'm not real fond of His church. I'm saying we don't have the option. If we love Him, we love His church. And if we're going to be His disciple, we will love His church. This verse that we looked at says, if you have love for one another, one another, two words, one another. If you have a pencil and you got your notes out, circle those two words, one another. It's very important words. They are very important words in Scripture. As a matter of fact, they're used 58 times in Scripture, one another. And, and Jesus gives us instruction. He says that we ought to love one another. And he says we ought to care for one another. And he says we ought to serve one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, help one another, greet one another. You get the impression that he's talking about relationships there. That he's talking about being involved in each other's lives. That he's talking about about helping each other in this this change that he is is bringing about in our lives. I want you to know something. The Bible is very, very clear about this. Spiritual growth happens in community. It happens in relationships. You learn from the Bible. You walk with God. God reveals himself to you. You you study God's word and listen, listen, make no mistake. God speaks to us most often and with greatest clarity from his word. He will speak to you. And so you study his word and you say, God, I'm opening up myself to you. I want to receive from you. I want to hear your voice. He's always faithful to that when we come with the right heart. And we study the Bible and, and he speaks to us and we learn something. We begin to apply it to our lives. We walk in his spirit. He empowers us. We experience him. Now, here's here's the point. There is minimal growth in that until we share that in community. Until we say, hey, here's what God taught me and here's what I did. Until we say, hey, here's what God taught taught me and and I want to confess to you, I was unable to do that. Until we we go to our group and, and and we share with them and they share with us and we learn from one another. Here's what I'm telling you. Bible study, imperative. You gotta have it. Walking in the Spirit, imperative. You gotta have it. 
But it's also a, a part of this spiritual growth, this change that's taken place in our life is sharing it, sharing that experience and growing in that experience. You say, well, I, I understand, Dale, I understand, but that's all secondary. I, I disagree with you. That's like saying, my lungs are secondary to my heart. I need both to live. We need both to grow. We need to hear from God. We need to be obedient to Him. We need to experience Him. And we need to share that with other people. Spiritual growth happens in community. So you learn from the Bible. But it's lived out in community. It's lived out in your small group. You're able to go to your group and you, and you confess. And it's your group that helps you experience God's forgiveness. You go to your group and you tell them an area of, of failure and your group encourages you. You go to your group and, and they begin to help you identify those areas of giftedness in your life and give you opportunity to express that giftedness through service. That happens in your group. And you learn and you grow. Regardless of whatever stage you're in, wherever you're at in your life stage, you're, you're a single adult, you're a married adult, you're a student, you're, you've had a career, regardless of where you're at, your group, your community, the church wants to help you, wants to encourage you, wants to challenge you, wants to experience life with you. Spiritual growth happens in community. God never, ever meant for you to grow by yourself. The Bible word for that is koinonia. It means, means fellowship. It's one of the cornerstones. It's one of the cornerstones of spiritual growth. Do you want God to change you? One of the cornerstones of change or spiritual growth or discipleship is you've got to love other believers and other disciples. I, I'm praying for our small group ministry. You know, small group ministry in, in, in the way that I vision it to be is a perfect place for someone who is seeking Jesus. They don't know Him. They have questions. They're curious. They can see that lived out in your group. It's a perfect place for a brand new believer they can interact. They can ask questions. They can watch you. You can encourage them. we got to learn to love each other. Even when we tick each other off. Even when we're unlovely. Even when we disappoint or irritate. We're going to love one another. Why? Because we have a desire that God changes us. Because we want to be His disciple. And He says... If you're going to be my disciple, you're going to love one another. And, and he says this too. You've got to always do what I tell you to do. Whether you like it or not. Whether it makes sense to you or not. And uh, let me just interject. Most of the time, it won't make sense. Why is that? Because God's ways aren't like our ways. They're higher than our ways. But it's a, it's a choice that we make. We want to be a follower. We want to be a disciple. We want to be a student. We want to be... I'm going to do what he tells me to do. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. 
Jesus told the Jews who had believed in him, he was speaking to Christians here, and he says, if you abide in my word, that means to, to continue to obey what Jesus teaches. That's what that means, abide in my word, abide in my word. You continue to, to hear what he teaches, you continue to obey what he teaches. If you abide in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So listen, so I'm saying, I'm saying, you want to be a disciple of Christ, you've got to be where he's at. You've got to love him above all other things. You've got to love other believers. You've got to do what he says. That sounds like bondage to me. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. But what Jesus is telling us is, you want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? You want to be my student? I'll set you free. I'll set you free. I'll, I'll set you free from fear. I'll set you free from regret. I'll set you free from worry. I bet if we took a poll in this room right now and everybody was honest that more than 90% of people are worried about something. Jesus will set you free from that. How will He do that? Abide in My words. Let My words abide in you. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I got chill bumps just thinking about it. Be a disciple. Be a follower. Make that choice to do that in your life. This verse in John 8, 31 and 32, and a second verse that's very much like it in John 15, verse 7. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, listen to this, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Nobody's going to shout. If you abide in me and my words abide in, in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so prove to be followers, students, apprentices. In these verses, here's what I see real quick. Number one, spiritual growth is based on God's Word. It's not man's philosophies. It's not the latest uh, tests or, or, or surveys that have been done. The latest studies. It's based on God's Word. God's Word is alive. God's Word is, is inspired by Him. It's His words to us. It's our guide. It's our direction. It sets our boundaries. It's our comfort. It's our peace. It's God's tool to... To, to do a work inside of us and to change us. Spiritual growth is based on God's Word. Jesus said, if you abide in my words, not if you abide in the latest trends, not if you abide in what's popular, not if you abide in what the PhD says, if you abide in my words, he says. So spiritual growth, change, discipleship, it's based on God's Word. Spiritual growth is an ongoing process. Listen carefully. There are physical stages of life. And so, as well, there are physical, there, there are stages of the spiritual life. There's stages in the physical life, there's stages in the spiritual life. And you know what? They're very similar. A, a, a little baby is born. You know, the first thing he has to do, he's got to learn how to breathe. You know, we pat him on the back and we help him learn. <laughs> but he really does have to learn how to breathe. We've got to learn how to breathe as as babies in Christ. 
We've got to learn how to, how to exhale, how to tell God how much we need Him and how to inhale His, His power to trust Him. A little, little baby's got to learn how to eat. We've got to learn how to eat. We've got to learn how to study the Word. We've got to learn how to hear His voice. We've got to learn how to eat. Little baby's got to learn how to walk. We've got to learn how to walk. How do I live this life out? We've got to learn how to grow. We've got to learn how to learn. <laughs> We've got to learn how to relate to other people. We've got to learn how to be used. We've got to learn how to surrender. All of those things is something that God wants to be involved. That's not left up to you. God says, I want to be involved. I want to help you learn that. He says, I'm the teacher. I'm the discipler. You're the student. You're the disciple. I'm involved. I'm walking with you. I'll help you with that. I'll teach you that. It takes your whole life. You never stop learning. You're always growing. You're always being changed. God loves you every step of the way. I don't know why we have this tendency to, to, to put this, this spiritual experience into some kind of religious sphere. It's a relationship that's very real. You take a, a mom and dad that have a, a little baby. They're trying to teach that, that little two-year-old, I think, probably, to walk. One-year-old, whatever, whenever they do that. And they say, they say, come on, come on, come on, come on. And he takes two steps and falls down. And they run over and they pick him up and they go, that was great. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Let's try again. Come on. That's what God does to us. Folks, that's discipleship. That's experiencing His involvement in our lives. How many of us take two or three steps and fall? What is God's response? He helps you up. He says, I'm so proud of you. That was good. Good effort. Let's do it again. Come on. It'll be even better this time. That's God. That's how He involves Himself in our life. That's a part of the discipleship process. It's an ongoing process. A lot of you can relate to this. You've been in church a long, long time. You know people who have been church members or church attenders for 30, 40 years, and they've never grown spiritually. Why are we here? How many came in the door saying, God, change me. God, grow me. Don't let me leave the way I came in. It's a step-by-step process. Every single day, you learn a little bit about the truths of God. You learn, you learn, you learn. But spiritual growth is based on what you do, not what you know. Spiritual growth is seen in a lifestyle. You can know the Bible and not live it. I know a few people like that because there's only a few people that really know the Bible. Really. I know some who know the Bible. They're smart. God's not changed their life. They've not made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus. There are people who have memorized the New Testament that aren't spiritually mature. And that, the reason why is because spiritual growth is based on what we do. It comes from practicing what God says. 
you know, why don't we do what God says? Why don't we do what the Heavenly Father tells us to do? Why don't we do what our Heavenly Parent tells us to do? Here's the only reason I can think of. We don't really believe Him. We don't believe that what He says is true. If, if God says to us, you want to be great? Be a servant. Well, that doesn't make a bit of sense. And, and, and that's, I don't know, I just don't believe that, so I'm not going to do that. Okay, listen to this. If God says to you, give, and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, will men give unto you? You want me to tell you why we don't give? We don't believe that. We don't believe it. We don't believe what God says. When we begin to believe what he says, we begin to do what he asks us to do. So it's more than just knowing. It's a willingness to obey. It's a willingness to follow. Uh, I could spend so much more time there, but I don't think we should, do you? I want to tell you that discipleship, being changed by him, being a student, is what you know, it's what you do, and it's what you practice, it's what becomes a habit in your life. You know what? It's going to have to become a habit. That's one of the reasons I stand here and go, y'all ready to get to work? Because we have this thing at, you know, church... We've got 30 minutes of music, 10 minutes for the offering, 30 minutes of a message, boom, shabalabadoo, that's church. But it's not. It's about life change. It's about him being involved in my life. It's about him molding me and shaping me. It's about him growing me. And if I, if I have a hunger and I thirst for that, a desire for that, there are going to have to be some habits that I develop in my life. Work. Every area of your life is determined and controlled by habits. The physical area of your life, what are your habits? The intellectual area of your life, what are your habits? The spiritual in your life, what are your habits? Take this to the bank. The difference between successful and unsuccessful people is successful people have habits that unsuccessful people refuse to develop. And it's true in our spiritual life too. Habits. Form habits of practicing what God teaches us to do. Now listen folks, I know, I know the battle for a lot of you. You're giving me a to-do list. No, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm trying to get you to see that there is something that drives you. And that what I want to drive you is a choice that you make to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus because I want to be changed by Him, because I want to be used by Him, because I want to grow by Him. That's a choice that I'm making in my life. That's what I want. I'm not focusing on the to-do list, and I'm not doing it because I have to do it. I'll tell you again, there's people who've been going to church for 30 and 40 years, they haven't grown a bit. 
But they've been doing some things that they have to do. I want you to do them because you you want to do them. Because you get to do them. Because you want to be changed by Him. Because you want to experience Him. Because you want to be used by Him. Because you want to grow. Because I'm not satisfied being today where I was a year ago. Spiritually. I want it. I'm hungry for it. I have a thirst for it. It's more than just what I know. It's what I do. And it's, and it's developing habits. I want to develop a habit of spending time with Jesus. I want to develop a habit of being where He's at and experiencing His presence. I want to develop a habit of praying without ceasing. Always experiencing, interacting with Him, talking with Him, listening to Him. I want to develop a habit of being in His Word. I want to develop a habit of of going to my life group, of having community, of fellowship, of interaction with other believers. I want to develop a habit of giving. I want to develop a habit of serving. All of these things God's using in my life to change me, to mold me, to shape me. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower. I'm a student. I'm an apprentice of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm experiencing that. And so what? Well, here's what it says in John 15, the verse we just read. Abide in me, my words abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. You'll bear much fruit. And the Father's glorified, Jesus says. Our ultimate purpose, by the way, bring glory to the Father. This is kind of a whole different perspective on discipling, isn't it? God will use you to make a difference in other people's lives. Supernatural things He'll do. Incredible things. Unexplainable things. Listen, that's, that's the beauty of this to me. I, I, I want you to know, I don't look for things in the Bible to teach so that we can have a four-week series. Because church is 30 minutes of music, 10 minutes of offering, 30 minutes of a message. Got to get it done. Check, check, check. We can go home now. Honestly, God, where are we at as a people How do you want to use us? What do you want us to do? Give me clarity in in our mission. Give me clarity in our purpose. Dale, go and tell the people, I want you to make me famous in the community. I want you to impact this community for my sake. God, that's, that's always been my heart, but how do we do that? Give me some instruction. One person at a time. One person at a time. Teach everybody about love. Tell them that if they'll experience my love, I will give them the capacity to love other people. Tell them if if they truly love other people, they'll be concerned about them and they'll care about them and they'll want to get involved in their lives. Teach them about love. That's where it starts. Teach them about being a follower. Teach them what it means to be my disciple because I want to change them. I want to mold them. I want to shape them. And 
And as we do that and as we follow him, we make that choice. We make that commitment, that commitment to the relationship. It's the relationship that makes it what we get to do and not what we have to do. It's the relationship that makes it not religion. And and, and as we commit to that, we make a choice to that. We we grow in this relationship. God molds and shapes us. He equips us. He uses us. One person at a time. If we're going to fulfill our mission, it's not going to be because we have a big event. It's going to be because 400 people leave these doors and they say, God, I want to be used by you. I want you to use me. You might have to change me. I want you to change me. And when we do what he says and he uses us, our response is something like this. Wow, God is real. God is powerful. I can't explain that. That's supernatural. That's miraculous what he did. Wow, I can't wait to go and tell others what he did. When I get back to church, I'm going to, I'm going to tell others. I'm going to ask Pastor Dale if I can have a testimony. I want to share a testimony. That's what happens. We ain't had many testimonies lately. Let me invite you to stand. Being a follower of Jesus is a choice. A choice to make a commitment to a relationship. Are you the same spiritually today as you were a week ago? A month ago? A year ago? Do you have a desire in your heart to be changed by Him? This time that we spend together, these next two, three, three or four minutes, are for you to say to God, I'm making a choice. Hey, let's be honest with one another. You can make a choice to say no. I would simply ask you if that's your choice to tell Him that, okay? He's here. Tell Him. I bet he would appreciate that more than you lying. Just tell him, I'm I'm not ready for that. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be your follower. Just tell him. But if you want to make a choice today to be a follower of Jesus, tell him that too. You say, Dale, I made that choice last week. Didn't work for me. You know what happened? You took two steps and fell down. And God's right there to pick you up and say, let's try it again. I'm proud of you. We're going to do this. I'll strengthen you. I'll empower you. So tell him again today, okay, let's do it. Lord Jesus, thank you for this army of believers that stand before me, for this family, for this team. Lord, I I would, I, I, I desire that every single individual in this room would say to you, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then do what I tell you to do. And Lord, then I begin to think of what it could mean to our community this week. 
that 400 people would say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. That 400 people would be given an opportunity by your providence, by your sovereignty, to minister to somebody. Maybe it's just a smile. Maybe it's telling them that you love them. Maybe it's giving them a ride to the hospital. I don't know. However you want to do that. What if 400 people did that? Wow. Lord, help us make the right choice today. And help us make the right choice for the right reason today. Do a work in our lives, I ask in your name. Guys, lead us if you would.